Hello everyone and welcome back to the book club. I'm Zara, your host, and today we are joined by author Claire Ashton. Hello Claire. Hi. You've just published your latest book. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Ooh, right, I'm going to hold it up because I, I love the cover of this one. So I, I've shared as, as often as I can. As my wife does the covers, and I think this one's her, her best one yet. Um, it's a, a mystery this time. Um, I've done my last few books have all been romances, um, some maybe darker and lighter and a rom com, but this one is a full on mystery this time. Although there is a love story underpinning it, actually more than one. Um, set in Mid Wales again. Uh, I wrote it last year when we couldn't, when I couldn't go to Wales, you know, you couldn't get across the border and I was missing horribly. So I, I grew up in mid Wales. My parents are still there. So I, um, this is how I spent my time yeah, revisiting it because I was missing it so much. Um, so each book is a labor of love, right? It takes ages to write. So with the telltale, what are you most proud of? I think it, um, it's the one that I think stretched me most, maybe. It, it's, it's got a lot of threads in it. There are several different characters. There's a lot going on in this in this village with a lot of secrets and this telltale, um, you know, giving these people secret notes, revealing that uh, someone knows um, what they've been up to. And at the same time, there there's a, a, a love story in, in, from the past. And I think at the beginning of the novel, it's... It, there's there's a lot up in the air and then keeping all those threads running through it it was quite a, i had to plan this one quite carefully I mean, and i'm a plotter anyway but this one was the, the post-its everywhere <laughs> trying to get the story right and you know the right balance to there's four point of views probably the most i've had quite varied as well um uh, like there's a lady sophie melling from the manor who is upper class um and then there's beth or middle class then there's an older woman, Rianne, whose um, son ran away. And then there, his, his brother, Geraint, who is kind of a bit of a thug. Uh, so these were really quite varied point of views and to keep all those characters very vividly in my head and all those threads and progress the themes through the novel and give a sense of setting was quite quite a tall order. Um, so I'm, I think I've pulled it off. Um, so... Um, you know, with a Saturday, you know, most of it, I mean, it's all that going on, but also it has to read, you know, most immediately as a really good page turning um, mystery of who done it and who is it. And so I, I think I could did it okay in the end. But yeah, that, that it took, yeah, that was, that was, um, that really pushed my range of writing and characters and plotting more than any of the other books, I think. So I'm, I'm quite proud that it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> it works okay. I think it's great. <laughs> so why did you choose to write a mystery? I kind of started more in mysteries, kind of um, sort of romantic intrigue, I suppose. That's um, possibly, uh, and then I moved into lighter books. Um, so it's kind of going back to that in a sense. But I, I think all my books are quite a mix of... Um, I like to mix all those elements in. I, I always like having that element of mystery in a book, even if it's a fairly straightforward romance. I always like there to be a little bit of a puzzle to get to know the characters and what might have happened in the past and always a little bit of a surprise. So there's always that element I like to have in it. But in the, in the same way that, you know, this is a mystery, definitely mystery genre, but I still like to have the love story in it. And I still like to have, you know, the touch of 
lightheartedness in it as well as a bit of um, very a touch of comic relief as well. I, I like that about the books I like most of all have all those elements. It just the proportions might differ. You were brought up in Wales, so and this book is set in Wales as well. Did you do any kind of extra research for the book? Not in terms of... I've forgotten a lot of my Welsh. <laughs> I had to check the spellings of the, the snippets of Welsh in there that are sort of are sprinkled through. Because um, my, my, my folks were both English and moved there. So it was English was spoken. So it's, Welsh is definitely second language that I learned at school. But we did. It was compulsory at my school up until 16. Um, but I've, I've forgotten an awful lot. It's, it's just because if you don't use it every day, it's, it goes. So... I had to look up the spellings again, but the, 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 the sort of sprinkling of Welsh is all the stuff that I remember all the first language Welsh speakers would use, that, 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 even if they're talking English to someone, you know, the bits of Welsh would always be in there. So I always use the bits that I can remember. So um, so no research from scratch, I suppose, but constant fact checking and spelling checking more than anything. What kind of feedback do you get from non-UK readers if they're not familiar with the language or the setting? I think, yes, uh, some people would like a pronunciation guide. <laughs> I sent a few links out to readers where you can enter a, you know, a key in a, a word and it'll pronounce it for you because uh, that, that's quite a challenge. Um, other things, yeah, it, a, a lot of maybe US readers really aren't familiar with Wales as being that distinct from the rest of the UK, for example. So um, it, it, it sparks quite an interest in general, which is really nice. Um, so uh, that that's generally just a quite quite a lot of interest and people start looking around at holidays to Wales and things which is really good. Coming back to the book, was there a particular reason why you chose to have it in the 70s? Yeah, I suppose it, I, last year during the pandemic of writing, I, I was I was aiming to write a, another contemporary romance actually, that um, like my last four books, but I was, I was having a lot of trouble. I mean the world was in such, was so very fluid and, and it, not particularly nice in so many ways I found it very hard to think yes light romance happy ever after I just my head was not in that space at all and it was just so changeable that it was very difficult to um hold on to a, a general theme because everything was moving around it so um that encouraged me to just move to the past some something that wouldn't change so much while I was writing it um and also it's I ever since uh, writing Poppy Jenkins, which is um, a romance set in a very similar area. Um, well, actually, before that, I was I was hoping to write another mystery before Poppy Jenkins um, about a character returning home, but I just wasn't in the mood for it because I, you know, I I wanted to think of nice things about home. But when I thought of this idea of going to the setting something in the past, I thought, oh, actually, maybe I could do a mystery back home, but set in the past, which is nicely removed, so I don't spoil home, which is nice and like Poppy Jenkins. I can. Uh, take it to a darker place in the past. So uh, that all kind of came together to make this book. The tone of the book is slightly darker. It's reminded me more of After Mrs. Hamilton and Penance than it did of Poppy Jenkins. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's in that thread of books, definitely. Yeah. Is it harder to write a book with a slightly darker tone? It uh, really depends on my mood. <laughs> it really does. Um, like I say, I kind of like mixing the dark and the light. It just tends to be different proportions. So like in um, Poppy, it, it's very light. She is the sunshine girl next door. But at the same time, you know, there's a good dollop of angst in there as well. And then not all as well in, you know, the village of Wells in that book, in the same way. With the telltale, there are moments with um, a best friend, Meg, who, which lightens, a, which is a bit of light relief in there as well. So 
I find that I, I you know, if it's all getting a bit too much, I'll throw in a comedy scene. If, if you know, if not for the reader, for me, <laughs> to kind of carry on. So I really don't mind either. I, I like writing, yeah, the mis- the darker stuff or the lighter stuff, the the romances, the mysteries. Romance and mysteries are, are both my kind of favourite genres to read and write. So, and I'm fairly happy to, you know, flip between the two. And actually, reading, I'll always have one of each on the go. So, um, I'm quite happy. Yeah, skipping between the two because it's set in the 70s. You get elements of like misogyny and homophobia, victim blaming. It sort of struck me that actually things haven't changed all that much in the last 50 years. Or so. it's, it's it was it was tricky actually. Cause, um, I was wondering about getting the balance of it right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, looking, looking back at the 70s, when, you know, every so often, I do think, goodness me, it really was a horribly misogynistic, sexist kind of time. So, um, so I didn't, I didn't know if it was, I was laying on it, laying it on a bit thick. But at the same time, like I say, there are echoes of those attitudes still today. So um, I thought I should make it just, yeah, as blatant as, as it was back then. And you will still find those attitudes anyway. Yeah. So of the four POVs that you wrote, was it difficult to write four POVs? And of the four, which one was the hardest to write? I think because they were such distinct characters, I didn't find it troublesome switching between them. And actually, it was quite a nice, refreshing break to switch between them writing. Um, and to progress a little bit more of a plot or come at it at a different angle. I, I, I just really enjoyed it. Um, Beth, I think, is the most serious, um, and she has the bulk of kind of story progression with the others coming in with kind of different angles, perhaps. So I suppose um, the work of it was done by Beth's point of view, uh, and the other bits coming in tend to be a nice relief and a different point of view and were very entertaining to to write. So I, no, I didn't. I, I didn't find a difficulty with. It. I enjoyed it um, very much. It's. Um, I hope it reads in an entertaining way. I know a lot of people don't like quite that many point of views. Perhaps um, maybe a maximum of two, if they're coming from a romance um, um, readership. But uh, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it this time. So I wanted to talk about queer representation in the book. You've got uh, apart from the sapphic cast, you've got trans characters. You've also got someone who's gay. And Beth in particular, she realizes that she prefers romantic love over sex. So why did you give Beth that particular story arc, especially since it has such big implications on what happens later on in the story? A big sort of um, theme of the novel is um, how narrow gender stereotypes were at the time and also um, very narrow views on people's sexuality and what was acceptable at the time. And... So it was wanting to show that in the past, because you don't get it represented in the past very much. It's been hidden for, for you know, forever <laughs> in our culture. So, um, and also, it, it's common for people to complain about all these new letters and all these new identities. And of course, uh, I wanted to show that the people behind all those have always existed. So that that was something I very much wanted to do with the story right from the out, outset. Um, Lady Melling and Daniel, I had sort of uh, an idea of them to start with but some of the other characters evolved as I was plotting and um with with Beth Ann in particular when the novel starts she's just divorced from her husband and come back to the village with her daughter but we know that she had a very um strong affinity for um her best friend but it's not apparent straight away what that was and I when I was developing the story I kept coming to a stumbling block that it 
didn't feel completely right that it has that very common and understandable narrative where a woman has male relationships but then she meets a woman and it all makes sense it's all comes out in color and <laughs> it's, it's a very relatable experience but it didn't fit with where i was going with the story or with that character for some reason it felt too too easy an explanation and um it was quite a complex setup she only told one person which is ellen her best friend who she is very much in love with that actually she doesn't like sex and it's not that it was just these rather um mundane to awful experiences with men in the past it's just she, she doesn't like sex anyway that's not um not a factor in uh, how she um looks at people so much um as that's her natural inclination and also reinforced with kind of um the um, sexual experience she's had and the pressure to have it with her husband. So it just made more sense for that character. And then suddenly the plot also um, made sense in lots of other ways, the other way um, characters, their relationship and why they might not have known about each other. It And also the ending. Yeah. Once I got over that block of actually it's not that she doesn't like sex with men and yay women, it's, it's actually she's not a particularly sexual person, that it's not the priority for her, but she's very much in love with her best friend, Ellen, and always has been. Um, and it is, is a romantic love. Um, and also, I think it makes yeah. sense that when everybody knows and has come to terms with who everyone is, I, I think it's it's... I think it's nicely wrapped up. I don't. Some readers haven't liked it. It hasn't been full satisfying for them. But I, it, it's very much for me. I love that initially, you know, when the when you see the women and they are sort of they sort of don't have they don't seem to have a lot of freedom right at the beginning, mm -hmm. and then eventually as the book progresses, things turn for them, and then they're sort of like able to live the life that they want. Yeah, they kind of they find each other and, and realize who they are, um, and. Uh, by supporting each other, sort of strengthen each other, I think. Um, that's very much part of the book, that, you know, finding your community and your found family in there so that they're very much stronger because of it. You you love developing your secondary characters. Do you have a favourite secondary character in the book? Oh, yeah, a couple. Um, yeah, I like secondary characters because you, you, can, you don't have to play it quite so safe with secondary characters. They can be larger than life, but it really doesn't matter. Um, and they bring out very different aspects of the main character, so I, I find them really useful. I, read, yeah, like said, I, I really like my secondary characters to be well-developed, so... Meg definitely for light relief and just saying it how it is um, in in good ways and yes pointing out when things were wrong in the in in the life in the village as well very much um, inspired by people I've known in the past um, who like that very refreshing characters um, and also Caris the she I don't, that she was one of the most entertaining things to actually write out because um I tend to yeah, I tend to I plan a lot um and I tend to go around in circles where you know I develop the character a bit the setting a bit and that progresses the plot a bit further then I might something might um, it might be have a stumble block and I'll come back to the characters and then they'll keep informing each other until I've got a bit of an outline but Caris before I started the first draft was a fairly two-dimensional character just um she was going to be a bit of a sort of malevolent presence as the housekeeper but um <clears throat> i it, it, so she was the one who kind of came across as a bit more naughty and for, um more interesting in, in the writing of the first draft so that was a lot of fun to to come up with i mean there's always something even no matter how you plan and plot the, to whatever detail there's always something that comes out while they were at the a lot of things actually and that's the delight of writing that first draft still even if you're a, the biggest planner in the world 
is um it, it all came out that I needed Lady Melling to go to the shops or go into the village so that she could see that Beth was back. And I, could, I thought, well, why on earth is she going to the village? She hates it there. She does, she's not <laughs> going to want to go. Um, so I thought, well, okay, so she's run out of cigarettes. So why hasn't she sent the servant? And then I thought, because the servant hates her smoking and she's burned all her cigarettes. <laughs> so then that, you know, that character took on a, a completely different life. That she was, yes, this rather malevolent presence and rather sour face, but also had this um love hate kind of naughty side to her with lady melling so that that she really took off in the writing of the first draft and and lady melling and her scenes are some of my favorites i love the scene with caris when she takes a rifle to the people at the door <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's just, you know she's she's had, she's had enough <laughs> she, she's not mentioning words to these people <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the book was the ending the very last chapter i think that was re- really pure genius did you have that planned out and written before you started the book or at the very start or did that happen to come by later on as you were doing multiple drafts it occurred to me once i had that scene with caris burning and hiding lady melling cigarettes it suddenly came at that point it all kind of you know she suddenly fleshed out with the rest of the book and i thought that would um solve a little problem that i had and, and end it up nicely so um um definitely before uh, at the beginning of the first draft that ending occurred to me and um yeah I was just rubbing my hands with glee on that one because I love it so much that is a lovely surprise (laughs) so when you start writing a book like when you start writing the telltale do you discuss the idea with anyone first before you even put pen to paper I tend not to um I find it derail I usually I won't talk about it even until I might give a very vague genre but I'll finish the first draft before telling anybody much about it. Because um, I find I, if I describe what kind of story I'm trying to write, I do it so badly, people just look at me and are kind of like, that sounds rubbish kind of way. <laughs> so it just completely destroys my confidence and I don't want to write it anymore. So I've just, I have to get through the first draft because I'm terrible at explaining, you know, in short, in a summary of what the, what the story is about and what what's going to be appealing about it. Um, this this time that um I um Gabby Benson G Benson's done a couple of beta reads for me and she was asking what I was writing and I was thinking oh goodness well, if I describe it it'll sound rubbish and <laughs> so I I gave it for the for the first time I thought right I'll just send her a chapter and she can just see what it is and I say like here's the first chapter and then it's a mystery from then on and she it, it really um piqued her interest so I kept sending her bits which is the first time I've done this for a very long time because like I say it normally does completely derail my confidence so um but luckily she she found it quite intriguing it was incredibly encouraging so um she definitely got me through that first draft so how many drafts did the telltale go through and apart from Karis did you have any other major changes draft wise it was about six so I'd have I, I I do plan a lot and I think that cuts down on the madras I need. Um, so I'll, I'll, in, it followed quite a, my normal progress, like a um, first draft, then a major draft of shuffling things about, having to rewrite the chapter or putting a new one in. I think the others kind of, um, their characters deepened. There wasn't quite such a change. Um, that tends to happen quite a lot, that I just um, grow to understand them uh, and deepen their personalities or or figure out how they work in some way and put some extra scene and depth in it to show it. So I think the rest, um, largely how I planned, but always always hidden with hidden depths. 
And the idea of the mystery notes, was that also part of the plan right from the start? Yes, definitely. Um, Definitely. And I usually have that level of detail planned before I start. So Telltale is your eighth book, right? Your eighth full length. It's seventh. It's It's seventh full length. Okay. (laughs) So what's changed in your writing? Have have things changed in the way you write? It's difficult to tell because um, I tend to alter the style a little for each book, depending on what it is. So... Um, if you look at the first one of Penance, it, it will be very different to this one, just because um, I um, had different aims with the writing. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can tell if, how it's changed because it does change between books so much. Does I think it it's better. Does it get faster? <laughs> does it, I guess the pandemic is not the ideal time to compare book writing times, right? So does, has that had a big impact on the time it took you to write The Telltale? I think it was about average, actually, surprisingly. Um, I think, yeah, it was about the same. Strangely, everything else seemed quite chaotic and actually having my writing time quite in a regular slot. Um, I mean, so I have to fit my writing around kind of kids and school and all sorts. So um, I have to write when, when I've got the time. So that usually keeps me on track. Um, and it was something nice to return to. Like it was like spending time in Wales, you know, strangely even though the plot is pretty dire in places it was still nice to go back to where I was in the book so do you tend to write most days and how do you actually keep yourself in a writing zone I, I don't I'm not somebody who writes every day but um because I'm a plotter a lot of my I suppose writing time is yeah staring into the middle distance kind of dreaming up stories so I, I, I yeah I don't actually type out writing and practice every day um I suppose I, I, I am quite a, a distractible, shuffly kind of person who finds it difficult to sit down and concentrate. And I think that the planning helps me with that, that, that once I've got to the stage where I need to actually sit down and write, I'm dead keen on an idea. I've got it in my head. And I really, really want to sit down and write it. So um, that enthusiasm for the story generally gets me through being a bit distractible. <laughs> and do you ever use beta readers? You said you had Gabby Benson looking at your book this time. But would you generally use beta readers to look through your books? And at what stage do they get to have a peek at the book? Um, oh, definitely. Um, I, I absolutely need beta readers to um, point out <laughs> uh, lots of different uh, issues. Um, I think, yeah, Gabby's done, I think, two or three for me now. She, she, she's, <laughs> she's annoying and amazing um, because she's hilariously kind of goes through writing little comments in the margins, you know, what she finds funny or what's gruesome and grim. And so she's always very good. She just kind of just says what she's thinking at the time. And sometimes she'll even go, if you dropped a little little clue about something that suggests something interesting, she'll go, oh, what's this? Is this going to happen? And I'll think, no, it's not. I wish it was, because that would be even better. <laughs> so she's, she's, she's got such a good sense of what makes a story. She's an incredibly useful beast reader. I've got Cindy Rizzo. Um, as, by the time I've sorted it out a little bit, I like her to have a look at the second from an American perspective and she comes out with all kinds of things that I use you know idioms and phrases which I had no idea were British but you know she's never heard of them so it looks like utter nonsense to her. <laughs> so that's another useful perspective um, um Diana Simmons who's Australian she's she's read all my books and always in you know no uncertain terms tell me <laughs> what's wrong with them so she will not hold back and she is always right don't show her this <laughs> but yeah, she's she's um she's uh always been very good at seeing what I'm trying to do with the book and and running with it and telling me what I need to do to get where I wanted it to go in the first place um 
I said, Wendy Hudson this time. That was really nice. She had a quick look at it. To, um, she tends to write more crime, kind of complex novels. So it's very nice to have her perspective on it because of the, the genre. So she has a very good eye to detail as well. Um, so yes, I, I use beta readers. They're incredibly useful. And I, I try to return the favor where I can. So you said most of your books have an element of mystery or romance to them. Is there any other genre that you want to write but just haven't had the time to write? Not yet. Um, strangely, I would have, I would never have picked historical to be anything I'd try, and, and I do happen to have just fallen into it, I suppose. that That's quite strange. I, I suppose my books are all domestic drama. I think that's probably what the... the what they are in essence and that they you know the to sell that you know it, it's got to be it's got you've got to put it in either romance or you've got to put it in mystery so but I mean yeah it, it, they're essentially domestic dramas and you know if somebody dies it goes in mystery <laughs> <laughs> if there's a happy ever after into romance it goes I don't want to give the plot away too much but did you ever consider there's a death in the book was that person always meant to die or did you think of having a happy ever after ending kind of thing no there, there was there was always going to be death okay and, and, and they were always <laughs> always going to be the victim <laughs> yeah I mean that kind of thing I definitely have plotted out before I start the first draft that that, that kind of change would derail me completely and I'd have to replot I, I am very I admire people who make it up as they go along and have something coherent at the end I just couldn't do that i I yeah I, I need a bit of a I just think ahead I think I'm quite a slow writer I think so I definitely have to have a plan and it not go too badly wrong or else it would take me forever to write if I was just making up it would take me years it really would so yeah I'd have to think it through quickly in my head have a plan and then write it down I remember seeing a picture of your work desk with lots of post-it notes everywhere Mm-hmm. Is that where the plot points are, or are they actually on your computer and you have also then have them on post-its? It's, um, I have um, pages and pages of notes on the computer. I'd, while I'm plotting, uh, little scenes will come to me and I'll write those down, little snippets of dialogue. So you know, my outline is kind of like a very fragmented first draft, really. It's that kind of, you know, it's, it's pages and pages and pages of notes. But um, I, those scenes will come to me and even before I've got the outline and I'll write those down. Actually, a lot of them I won't even use. Like, um, I've got enough material to fill another book usually by the time I've um, finished. I will have that many notes. But the, the, at the same time, I will be thinking of the, the the main dramatic points that I need to hit in the novel. So those will be on the post-its. I'll be working them out using post-its and shuffling them around. And also the different points of views. Um, I find post-its very useful for that, for whose point of view is going to tell which bit and what kind of balance does it have. You can see at a glance with the different colour post-it notes. So um, I will use all sorts. I, the, this, I, this is def- definitely my kind of writing, is that I will go around all the houses until I've built up the picture in lots of different ways. So, yeah, I'm... Both. And the last thing you do is name the folder with the name of the book. Is is that what you do to say that this is the end? I'm not touching this anymore. That's right. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm quite superstitious about it. The two things I like to know are I really want to have the title. Before I finish the first draft, I really want to have a title in mind. I, I'm not happy if it doesn't come to mind because that feels like I haven't really got a grip on the book. If I haven't got a title that kind of nails it for me. 
um, that 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 puts me on edge. And then, but I, I don't want it to be the definite title until I've it's got it out in print, and then I can actually. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know when I started this, but I do it every time. <laughs> Talking about the book cover, your wife designs your book covers. Right? Has she done all the book covers for you? Um, yes, I think she has. Um, She's got a really good eye for detail, and this cover, especially, I think it really stands out. So do you give her some feedback and tell her what you want in the cover? Is that something she does all on her own? I mean, she, she also reads, I should have said, she's one of the most important beta, reader, beta readers as well, actually. You know, she's the one who I absolutely trust. Is this a good story or not? That kind of level of detail. So, um, but, um, so she knows what the story is about and what kind of impression is. And she, she's, both her parents um, both have artistic kind of backgrounds so she has that even though she's actually a data scientist she does have this artistic side to her as well so she, yeah she knows what the story is about she had a much better idea of genres and what goes well on covers and what what's the latest trends are than I do as well so I, I absolutely let her get on with that part but I will give her a load of images that I really like um or and and some ideas of what I want to be on the cover and then she'll go away and do that and then she'll show me something and I'll say what about that bit? And she'll get annoyed at me because that bit doesn't matter, of course. And I don't understand <laughs> that. And I just need to trust her. I just love how she gets the contrast, right? Because she doesn't use multiple colours. But even with a few colours that she does use, she gets the contrast really spot on. And I think that makes the book really stand out when you're looking at it online. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah they, they look nice. They're, they're simple enough so you can take them in, uh, even though they're very small. And and, and she chooses yeah, quite unusual colours that I think stand out um, without without um, being shockingly bad. <laughs> but they stand out in a pleasing way. So uh, she's... Uh, I, and uh, she, she seems to have got better and better at all, all of the covers. Uh, this one is, yeah, definitely my favourite. So in writing the telltale, what's been the most enjoyable part and what's been the hardest part? I mean, I enjoyed writing this one enormously. It was a nice change from writing romance, actually. Um, so it was so very refreshing to... I think I did four romance novels. So And romance writing, I find it's quite a hard gig, actually. It's because uh, you, you're writing a book which makes people feel like they're falling in love and you've got to write characters who are appealing and um, maybe they're a little bit flawed, but not too much. Um that's quite a very subjective um, thing to do. And it's very difficult to sometimes read reviews where the people hate the characters or it doesn't work for them at all. And even if the characters aren't you at all, you, you know, you, you can't really write 100,000 words without it being quite personal in some way that, you know, you'll think this is an appealing um, trait for someone or a good scene. It, it, it's, it's, it's very personal, I think, romance writing, unless it's very removed from... If you're trying to do something that is copying another romance that's been done in just a slight different, if it's if it comes from real experience at all, um, it, it, it's quite difficult to take the criticism. Sometimes I find, I mean, well, especially when a novel quite fresh. I mean, I, I generally don't care at all what people say after a few months. It's kind of um, it's gone. It's, I can look at it much more objectively. But so it was quite nice to, especially with the last book, which had two characters who were very quite vulnerable. It was nice to suddenly write some characters who didn't have to be likable at all, um, highly flawed, absolutely every single one of them. I mean, I, I got to, 
like Beth enormously and Lady Melling. Some people hate Lady Melling. And the nice thing about that is that Lady Melling couldn't give a crap if people <laughs> liked her or not. So, you know, I don't yeah. care either. This is the thing. Lady Melling is just Lady Melling. Um, and it doesn't matter if you hate her or not. So it's that that aspect of it was a very refreshing change. So I, I enjoyed writing it enormously. The story of Lady Melling and Ellen and Beth would make a really nice young adult novel. Have you ever considered dipping into young adult market? Sometimes. It's that I suppose, yeah, because I've got two kids who are eight and ten, actually, I, I read a lot, I read to them every night, and they're a, a, I'm more like to go for a sort of children's novel, actually, sort of middle grade, um, nine to twelve range. I love, you, you have got so much freedom to do whatever you like with that age range. It's wonderful. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll get into YA more. Um, but yeah, if I did a different genre, I think it would be kids because yeah, that nine to twelve range is is uh, incredible. There's so many good writers in that range. Do you write little stories for your kids? Um, I write with with it. sometimes we write together. So I'll get around the computer and they'll, 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 I'll type it up while they'll tell me things to write, and then we'll all chip in. And it's for, we, not too often these days, but we do still do it, and that, that's really fun. It's really, you know, they're both very creative, um, imaginative little pair, and way more imaginative than me. And it's wonderful to see their input and how their brains work. <laughs> Most of your books have been standalone. Have you ever thought of writing a sequel or a prequel to any of the books? It's not something that's really appealed. Um, as, um, I suppose because I'm a plotter, I kind of, I, I want it to, I, I think very much in terms of that novel and it tying it up as best I can at the end of that. Especially with a romance, I don't want to break them up again or <laughs> anything like that. Or with a, a mystery, I don't want anybody else to die after we've all been through that kind of harrowing story. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd like to do a series at some point. I don't know whether it be mystery or romance, but that, that definitely appeals. But going back to existing characters, I, I haven't... I've mulled some things over, but I haven't um, felt it strongly enough yet. Over all your books, is has there been a secondary character that you've thought, oh, maybe I could write a book on this one? I don't think there has, actually. <laughs> yeah, people, people really love um, sequels and, and series. They really do. And I've, I've had lots of people comment, so can't you take this character or another character and keep progressing the story? And uh, My brain just doesn't seem to work like that at the moment. I think, or maybe... Maybe it will. And so the, I suppose the one character that you know, has passed through mind is like Pip, the younger sister of Poppy Jenkins, and going back to that area a few years later when Poppy older and, and Pip's grown. That has a certain appeal, definitely, but um, it's never been enough to actually make me do anything yet. In terms of like writing your books, you've sort of you've just finished the telltales. Are you already thinking about your next book? Or are you sort of just absorbing all the feedback from Telltale right now? I tend to give myself a bit of a break because when it's finished, it's still got to be formatted and just sort of distributed and, and announce it. And there's usually a few interviews to do and things like that. So I'd, I'd give myself a bit of a break and do some publicity. At the same time, I'm always writing down ideas and um, snippets of dialogue or um, at the same time. So I've got a folder of ideas and little bits of notes. Um, but I won't seriously start mulling something. I'm, I'm, I, the last time I... I I had two ideas that I started to progress at the same time and just and, and just let myself see which one out in the end. And I'd probably do the same again this time. So possibly one a romance, one a mystery and see which one gets furthest. So, um, but yeah, no, definitely I have to finish off one book before I seriously do anything much work at all. I 
I really admire lots of people who kind of have several books on the go in different different stages, like one's kind of in, in editing and other ones, they're doing a first draft. I, I, I can't cope with that many things going on. So if you start off writing a mystery and a romance at the same time and see which one goes further, what happens to the one that gets left behind? Would you come back to it? I never have so far, uh, which nags at me. It's, there's all these kind of... Um, half you know half thought through stories that just you know that I wished had been written up that I haven't been but I'd, I haven't gone back to them yet maybe they will I will at some point <laughs> how much of an impact do reviews have on your writing do you tend to read them and what happens if you have negative reviews how do you deal with them yeah, no, I definitely look at them. I, mean, I suppose because I'm in India, I, I don't have a, a publisher who can give me feedback or, or filter them through, I suppose. But I'd, 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 and I'd, I'd really like to see how a book's gone down, what people have liked about it. It's very useful feedback. Um, unfortunately, yeah, not everybody's going to like it. Um, in in general, it, 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 because if a review is negative, it depends how it's negative. If it's personal, those those are really hard to take, um, and you need to you know kind of walk away and not look for a while to get over those. But um, generally, they can be very useful. The negative ones as well, um, depending on how how polite they are. So, but once I start writing, if I'm into the first draft of another book, then I'll stop looking at reviews um, or before then because um, they can derail your confidence horribly. Um, um so yeah I'll stop looking after a while and so I can get on with writing without being um distracted how do you write do you tend to like do you need a specific place like do you write in your office or could you write anywhere and do you listen to music or something when you're writing um yeah I don't listen to music um and I I find that I find um a cozy place that I feel happy with that might change for each book and once I found that little writing nest I want to finish the book there. So, you know, it'll be different places around the house. It might be in the kitchen or in the lounge or um, in the attic where I, I work mostly up in the attic where, you know, it's a little space kind of beyond where the kids <laughs> can go sometimes. <laughs> I mean, they, they still come and poke their nose up in the attic and dis- distract me. But um, so, yeah, I get into a habit for each book, it seems. So I get, but no, I can't write in cafes um, because uh, <clears throat> I get too worried about the people going to read the screen. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I mutter to myself as well while I'm writing. So I, I could be, you know, uttering all kinds of obscenities that are going on in the, the story. <laughs> so I really don't want people listening. And do you get time for reading in between writing? Um, yeah, I, I read quite slowly because between kind of writing and sorting out the kids who might be up at all hours, it's, um, I read very slowly, but I do keep reading because um, when I first had the kids, well, before having the kids, one of the best things I did, like, just take a Sunday and read your whole book from, you know, cover to cover. That was my favourite thing, so that just can't happen once you've got kids. <laughs> it doesn't happen at all. So I didn't read for a couple of years very much at all, but I, I made myself... That was the way I like to read, but so I had to change that or else I wouldn't be reading ever. But now, yeah, I keep nibbling away at a romance and a mystery at the same time. So I've got Carrie Hunter's um, latest on the go at the moment and actually also Val McDermott's 1979. So I lots of mystery as well. Some more literary type books, I suppose. Of course, I forget about that. I'm reading to the kids all the time as well. So I actually get through quite a lot of stories these days. So now they're a bit older and um, can listen to more complicated stories. Um, yeah, I, I read heaps of stories, a so little bit, a little bit at a time. Yeah. They like all kinds of fantasy genre or 
Actually, there's a lot of murder mysteries now for <laughs> 9 to 12 range. Um, there's Robin Stevens' um, Murder Most um, oh, right. Unladylike okay. series. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. It's just, and that actually has um, a sapphic character in it, uh, sort of one of the teenage um, detectives. Um, over the in a very age appropriate way is, is re- revealed that she likes women over the series and it's wonderfully done. So reading that with kids was just amazing. Um, it's it's really nice that you have way more gay characters and much more um, diversity in the kids' books these days than I ever had when I was growing up. So these are great books just to read as an adult. That, that reminds me as well to ask when you're plotting a book, are you thinking about the diversity of your characters? obviously depending on the setting yeah um I, I think as guilty as a lot of writers are that my early books from uh were very very white and, and especially when they're set in london it's really not representative at all so yes i um i do have a bit of a check i uh, just uh, am i is this realistic for where it's set these days um because i haven't in the past so i'll give myself a bit of a kick up the backside on that one and I think a lot of writers do these days, which is really good to see because um, yeah, it, it, it's been hopelessly unrepresentative. And, and which, you know, when you're writing in the queer space, you know what that's like not to see yourself ever in books. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are taking more note of that. If you had to go back and get a chance to rewrite one of your books or change something in one of your books, is there anything you would change? Nothing large, I don't think. After Mrs. Hamilton, I I, re, I wrote that and rewrote it and then rewrote it again. I it did, that that was quite a complex book to do uh, as quite an early novel. So, you know, I, I I still have this kind of compulsion to rewrite it again to try <laughs> make it as uh, as good as I can. Um, but otherwise, there, there's nothing enormous anyway. Little details definitely. Um, you go back and you read it in a, with a different. Um, perspective so I think there's always little things that will make you cringe or you think no I don't like that anymore um or that gives me a, a, a not particularly good vibe or that, a lot of the times so my books do make me laugh because sometimes the lines are you know I found them funny and I'll put them in even if no doubt it's good to find them funny so it's, it's quite nice that I do they do still make me laugh when I read them I, I tend actually not to read them unless there's something like a book club coming up and I want to refresh my memory before um answering questions on it so it's because 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 that reason that you go back and something makes you cringe and you wish you could change it but it's out there now but um I have I read out Poppy Jenkins at the beginning of the pandemic um I had the idea for somebody I can't remember who it was now but uh, when the pandemic started everybody was trapped at home well an author I knew started reading from her book which I thought was such a lovely thing to do and I thought well which is my happiest book I'll read that out a chapter a day um and actually, that was really fun to do. Um, and that was best of all because, because I was reading it to entertain people. I wasn't concentrating on bits I'd change. I was reading it to um, it'd be entertaining. And, and actually, it was really fun to go back and revisit Poppy and, and Rosling because I, I really do like those characters and it being set back home. It was another nice walk down memory lane. I think it's also nice to hear the author reading because then you sort of hear it as they meant it. You're the dialogue as it meant it to be said. I think that's really nice as well. The trouble with that is that people hear your voice always, I think, in books after that. So you have to be a bit careful. Like Carrie, I hear her voice all the time when I'm reading her books. It comes across <laughs> so strongly in different characters. And I do that with, hear the other authors as well, but particularly Carrie when she has a sort of northern dialect going as well. After Jessica Lambert is also out in audiobook, right? That's the one of your books that's out in audiobook. 
Yes, it is. Is, is it likely that the Telltale might be out in an audiobook? Um, I would love it to be. I'll have to see about that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, nothing in the pipeline at the moment, but yes, I'd really like that to be out in an audiobook as well now. Actually, Tantor Audio um, picked up for Flying Jessica Lambert and offered a, a contract on it, and so I don't, went with that because they have a not very good narrators. So um, I was very pleased that one was picked up. Um, I'm not sure if I'll go back to some of the older ones, but um, from now on, I'm, I do hope that the new ones will go into audio. Can you tell the readers a little bit about something you enjoy doing outside of writing? Oh, my, my life is dominated by the kids, which um, is lovely because they're, they're heaps of fun. Tiring. My God, they're tiring. But I, I love having the kids and going and doing stuff with them, whether it's cuddling up and having a read or going on adventures outside. Um, I'm very outdoors kind of person, I suppose. I, growing up in Mid Wales, um, I'm very much country girl and living in the city now I'm itching to get out into the country a lot so I, I love getting outdoors in the hills um and um yeah taking photos playing with the kids that, that that's pretty much my life really yeah cooking playing outside with the kids and um writing that there's not much time for much else after that do you have any advice for someone who's just starting out in publishing novels yeah keep writing and um don't hesitate to self-publish if um you really want to, um, especially in something like uh, a niche genre or where it might be, you know, you're writing queer books. His um, mainstream publishing is, is, is it's getting, it's publishing more queer books, which is really good to see. But, you know, it, it, it's not publishing a lot still. Um, so don't hesitate to self-publish and because you'll get an audience and you'll get feedback and encouragement and that's wonderful. So this is the this and that section. So I'm just going to give you two words and just pick whichever word comes to mind without right. any explanation. Baking or reading? Baking or reading. Um, reading while eating something I bake. That's good enough. <laughs> outdoors <laughs> or indoors? Oh, outdoors. No, I can't. Yeah, I'm decisive on that one. Spring or autumn? Autumn, just. <laughs> Zombies or vampires? Zombies or vampires, neither of those. No, thank you. <laughs> writing on a laptop or writing on post-its? It's got to be both. It's got to be both. <laughs> I told you it's going to be bad at this. <laughs> Ice cream or custard? Ice cream is frozen custard, so I'm having both. <laughs> dancing in the rain or hot chocolate by the fire? I see hot chocolate by the fire after dancing in the rain would be perfection. <laughs> Strawberries or blackberries? Oh, strawberries. No, I can do that one. Walking in the countryside or walking up a mountain? Yeah, mountain in the countryside. I'm okay. <laughs> the mountain is, is class is countryside. It's all right, I think. <laughs> Pancakes or scones? Oh, see, this is the thing. It's, um, scone by a whisker. As long as it's really freshly made, it's got a clotted cream and fresh sliced strawberries as well. Uh, it has to be that to edge it. <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla or chocolate? Scoop of both, Yeah. <laughs> Theatre or cinema? Oh, uh, oh, these are these are too hard. How do people do this? Because um, this is the oh, now I can't be quick on this either. Normally, cinema, I'm like, my goodness, if there's a good theatre, you can't beat that. And I have one just for you, Claire. Christmas or Christmas? Yay! <laughs> are your yeah. lights up as yet? No, actually, no. Not allowed to put them up until after bonfire night, and they're ah, up. Okay. And then the tree is up as soon as trees are available. Yeah. First day that they're on sale, we're out there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your time today. It was really nice to talk to you. Yeah, thank you yeah. very much for inviting mm. me. Do you have any parting thoughts for your readers? Um, oh, 
thank you always for reading my books. Um, I don't make it easy sometimes because I, I write quite different things each time, so they take a bit of a risk on opening up the new one. So thank you for those who do.